0: Ever is listening, guys? Welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 87. 87 episodes, guys. We're close to 90. We're going to get there in no time. We are just smooth sailing through this this summer. It has been absolutely insane. Ever since I've been out of this little funk that we call COVID and Shrep, it has given me a new sense of appreciation of what this show's about, what the show means to me, what the show means to you guys. Also, shout out to the alum Pine with Prep. Always got to do it. You know, I haven't done that enough, but I know my uh, people back home and all those listeners are seeing that and they're like, oh cool. But uh, anyways, today is going to be our full AFC West breakdown might talk a little bit of Mavericks in the beginning and hey they won a game in the Western Conference finals. They had shooters Reggie Bullock or Bur- I think it's Bertrand's Bertrand's something like that. I, I honestly I, I'm so sorry I pronounce it wrong, but uh, I think Bertrand's potentially I know they got him from Washington And they got Finney Smith to contribute. They got Dinwiddie to contribute. Luca did not have to do it all tonight. So it's going back to Golden State. I still think they have the series in the bag unless there's some mega collapse, but that's for another video. I am bringing this up to Clemson. I'm going up there for Memorial Day weekend to spend some time with my family and be out in the lake because honestly, it is about time to get in the water and do some surfing for sure. So I'll be bringing this, I'll be bringing this, and I'll be bringing my computer to record in case Boston and Golden State ends up being the finals matchup. So I can talk about it, or it's Miami and Golden State. Whatever the matchup is, I'm going to make a video on it, and I'm probably going to have a less blurry background. But I still want to make a video for you guys because I'm enjoying the heck out of this. I love this so much. You guys have been... It makes it easier to make video videos when you guys are absolutely killing it with the support. It's just so much fun. And I have a newfound appreciation for it. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the AFC West. I'm going to go in order from four to one. So I'm going to go for who I think is going to finish last to who I think is going to finish first. We're going to talk about why I have a whole ranking system with coaches, moves they made the offseason, their last season performance, and how that could carry over. uh, Players, just the whole generalization, potentially some stuff on the draft, like if a team had a strong draft or not, that'll impact the ranking. I'm not going to get into the record because I tried to do that. And then I was like, wait, he beat him no, wait, he lost that. And it was just super complicated. And I know if I try to do something as meticulous as that, I'm going to have a mess up. And I know one of you guys will call me for it. And I do not want to get into that because I'm just like, ah, I don't need that. I just I don't need it yet. So AFC West, before we get into my fourth spot, holy cow. Uh, and I have words for it, but it's just like, oh my goodness, what happened here? We had so many moves we had. Tyreek Hill shipped out. We had Russell Wilson plopped down to the Broncos. The Chargers and the Raiders making big moves. Justin Herbert gets a lot of guys on defense to be able to help him out. Derek Carr gets Devontae freaking Adams and Chandler Jones. So many big moves happened. The AFC West is the most loaded division in football right now. I cannot believe it. It is crazy. It's insane. Your head could explode from it. It was a fantastic offseason headline by the AFC West. All four of those teams could make the playoffs and make a Super Bowl run, and we're going to rank them, starting with my number four spot, the Los Angeles Chargers. All right, and I know some of you guys are going to go number four, the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, I'm going to have my reasons, and partially, it is a such, oh my gosh, when I had to rank these teams, I was doing notes, I really made a full, like, I was doing research, I was getting into it, I was like, okay, where do I find, where do I rank? The number one spot was easy for me. It was very, very easy. Two through three was about as difficult as it gets. But I have a little bit of a fear with the Chargers, and I have a little bit of an excitement for the Chargers. I think there's a lot of potential there, and I think they did a lot of big things to potentially prevent what my fears are about this team. And you're going to see in the title of this video, can the Chargers get out of their own way? Historically, this team has not been able to do that. Collapses. Loan leads chaotic losses. There's five losses that I want to point out to you guys that they had no business losing. It was the uh, it was the Rams game. That is my losses predictions. <laughs> I'm reading the side. Okay, it was the Texans, the pre-Wilson Broncos, a blowout against Baltimore that shouldn't have happened, an overtime collapse against the Raiders. Okay, I guess four. But all of those marked what scares me about the Chargers. The Texans, for one, the Chargers had a lot of momentum, and it could have easily prevented an overtime collapse against the Raiders, but they don't necessarily need to worry about a tie or have, Oak or have Las Vegas do something to help them out inadvertently. That loss against the Texans with a rising Davis Mills, that should not have happened. The Chargers are a much more talented team than that. The pre-Wilson Broncos, I think that the Broncos team last year, in terms of quarterbacking, Justin Herbert should have been able to rise above that. I know that Denver team is talented, but that Chargers team has to win these kind of games, and it's only going to get tougher against a Russell Wilson Broncos in the future. And we're gonna talk about Russell Wilson and what that means for the Broncos in the future. Or, well, yeah, I guess like ten minutes when I record it. But for you guys, you might watch this video and then another two days you'll watch the Broncos thing. But I think for the Chargers, it's important that they start strong and they start consistently. This is a team that has all the talent in the world to win the Super Bowl. They signed Khalil, they signed JC Jackson, got Khalil Mack in the off season. They re-signed star wide receiver Mike Williams, who is one of the best 50-50 ball guys, excuse me, in the entire league. So they have a ton of talent. So part of it was for me, is Brandon Staley exactly the guy? Because there was a lot of questionable things that he did, calling timeout and overtime. When you have it secured, basically they had a handshake agreement to go to the overtime together. They would have both made the playoffs. It was the craziest ending I've ever seen. I think I've seen the clip of Austin Eckler, and he was like, man, I think we had that. So there's a lot of good about the Chargers. Let me talk about that for a second. I think they have a rising star in Justin Herbert, and that stardom is only going to continue to grow. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best arm talents in the league, rivals Patrick Mahomes. It is a league where the quarterback matters, and having that is super important to the foundation of a franchise and super important to the foundation of a roster, and the Chargers have that. Was Justin Herbert necessarily the problem last year? I don't think so. I think he was fine. I think in certain games, he might've been a little too erratic with the football, but the talent is there. And if he plays to what we think he can, the sky is the limit. But there's just a couple things about the Chargers that just scare me. Sometimes the run game falls apart. Sometimes they're not able to play a consistent football game. There was a game against Pittsburgh where it was two, sec- two total halves. Pittsburgh dominated them for a half. Their defense was completely all over the place. And then the Chargers came back and ended up dominating that game in the second half and winning it. There's those things that in this new division now, and this is why I haven't been fourth in this new division. If they play like that and lose games against potentially maybe they play the Falcons and then they blow that game and the Falcons blow them out of the water. I'm not sure if they play the Falcons necessarily. I know a couple AFC West teams do, but if they play a lower tier team and don't show up, that could be the game that decides a seven seed or a six seed in a division that's so loaded where you're going to be battling against top tier teams, Super Bowl contending teams you got to be able to show up. Can the Chargers get out of their own way? I certainly don't think so, and I think I need Braden Staley to have another year to prove it to me to be able to win this kind of division and get past that number four spot. It's super important that they stay strong, start consistent, and ride with Justin Herbert and ride with these new signings. J.C. Jackson, Lockdown Corner, Khalil Mack, all poor perennial defender can do so much on the field. They have the talent, but can they get out of their own way? We'll have to see and find out. Okay, and it's now time. I'm like the game show announcer. It's time for our number three spot in the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, our number three spot is the Las Vegas Raiders. One of the most controversial seasons you'll ever see in football last year. It cannot be, you can't sell it enough about last season. The amount of pain and the amount of just unbelievable, just incredibly awful circumstance that these, this Raiders team faced. And I think what struck most to me was how they're able to do with an interim head coach. They're able to do with almost a broken roster in a way. This was a team with a lot of holes in it, and they've really plugged that up this year, they, especially on the defensive pass rush side, because Max Crosby can't do it himself. And Hunter Renfro was carrying the load significantly, especially when Darren Waller went down. And, of course, the unfortunate situation with Henry Ruggs. This was a team that their accomplishments cannot be over. Like You can't, I know some teams, you'll look at it on face value or on paper and see 10 and seven and they lost in the wild card game, but it cannot be overstated how much they accomplished with how little they were given. There was a lot of bad luck involved. There was a lot of unfortunate, just tragedy. And I think that you have to look at it. It starts with Derek Carr. He was the guy that had to face the podium every day. He was the guy that had to face the media had to go up there, answer questions about things that weren't even related to him, about Henry Ruggs, about injuries, about John Gruden. There was just so many different things that he had to deal with, and he still came out and played at a top quarterback level. I think Derek Carr is one of the top quarterbacks in the league based on what he's able to go through, based on what he's able to overcome. He started to take care of the football better. I think his deep ball accuracy has gotten much better. He's able to really command the field, and I think it's been a significant improvement. It almost looks like he did when he was an MVP candidate before he got hurt back in like it was five years ago and Connor Cook had to play a playoff game. I remember that. That was something, (laughs) but there's just a lot of good that came from that Raiders season. There's a lot of things we call just blessings in disguise and it became the emergence of Hunter Renfro. This chemistry that him and Derek Carr share is super special. And I love it, especially coming from a Clemson guy, a Clemson student seeing a Clemson football player, a former player that made such a big impact on that program come out and have such a big season. He certainly stepped up one of the best route runners in the NFL. He's certainly going to command a certain load and a certain amount of touches, especially with Devonte Adams, who we're going to talk about in a second, but the Raiders did something really unique this off season. I think they, a lot of the, the moves were made early. Russell Wilson became a Bronco early. And so I was thinking, what is the, what are the Raiders going to do to be able to capitalize on this? And I think the Raiders, they had the splashiest, one of the splashiest off seasons. It was something super great. They defied the odds last year. Can they finally have that consistency? I think they can. The bigger picture here, we talked about what they've done. There's nothing short of phenomenal. The emergence of Hunter Renfro, and now we got to talk about Josh McDaniels and Hunter Ren- <laughs> and Hunter Renfro again. Devonte Adams and Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is one of the was one of the top coordinators in the league. He was one of the shining stars on the Patriots, especially in a crucial part of Mac Jones' career, helping him take take that team to the playoffs, where a lot of people argue New England's offensive weapons were very underutilized or lack thereof offensive weapons. So Josh McDaniels has a lot to work with coming to Las Vegas. They haven't drafted necessarily poorly. They weren't really able to draft enough because they had to spend some draft capital on getting Devontae Adams. But what McDaniels is doing here is I think that a lot of people see that season, those seasons with Denver, with Kyle Orton and Tim Tebow, and they're like, Ugh, I don't know about that. But in that time, Josh McDaniels has done a ton of growing up. He's done a lot of soul searching in a way. They won three Super Bowls with New England, with Tom Brady, and he was able to develop Matt Jones into one of the shining spots. I'm not going to say top quarterbacks just yet because I think he's about 15 or 16, but he was instrumental in that part of New England season. And I think that's worth noting especially with a team like the Raiders who have a lot of weapons now to work with. He has Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, Darren Waller, no longer Brian Edwards, but there's a lot of players like, Desha- I think Deshaun Jackson was on the team at a time. It was crazy. There's a lot of things to work with here. And one of those is star wide receiver Devontae Adams. We all thought he was saying when, was- when Aaron Rodgers decided to come back, but Aaron Rodgers ended up commanding a cr- crazy amount of money. I had to stop myself there. Crazy amount of money. And the Packers subsequently traded Devontae Adams to the Raiders. And I think the Raiders kind of steal their first round draft pick for Devontae Adams. I take that 10 times out of 10. Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers without question. He's going to be able to give Derek Carr something he's never had before. A true number one wide receiver besides Darren Waller. I don't necessarily count tight ends as number one receivers, even though they could be considered number one weapons on offense, like a Waller, a Kelsey, or a Kittle. But having waddle. Having Adams out there on the primary, on the boundary, being able to do that, especially that helps out Hunter Renfro, that helps out the run game. Having Devontae Adams just as a body helps so much with that offense. McDaniels is so good at creating so many different plays for so many different players. I really like what the Raiders did this offseason. They upgrade on the pass rush with Chandler Jones. They're going to continue to get better. A good pass rush makes everything better, makes the corners, makes their life easier, makes the safeties' life easier, makes the linebackers' life easier. So I really like what the Raiders have to do. I am worried about a couple things. I know they're sometimes prone, like the Chargers, not to show up. And I think the offensive line is a slight concern. I have them at third place because they have a gauntlet of a schedule. And I do think the Kansas City Chiefs and the Broncos are a little bit ahead of them, but I don't think it's by much. I think that all these teams could finish within a, game, a couple games of each other. Like first place could be 11 and six, and fourth place could be a three way tie for 10 and seven with tiebreakers in the division. I think the margin of error for all these teams is super, super thin. Let's make that absolutely clear. I don't think one team is miles ahead of another and one team is a scrub. I think that third place team could be just as good as the first place team with a couple of things changed around. Let's just make that clear because I think that sometimes it's lost in the translation in terms of what these teams are, but I just want to make that clear. This division is that good that the fourth place team could make a run in the playoffs like that. It's crazy. I have him at third place because we don't know what Josh McDaniels is going to be in year two, even the second stint of his coaching career, even though I think it's going to be brilliant. I think the Raiders had a fantastic offseason. They were only just outshadowed by one of the splashiest and most fantastic moves in the offseason with Russell Wilson and our second place team, the Denver Broncos. All right, time for the second place team, the Denver Broncos. And... This is more or less a focus on the new trend that has been a part of the NFL for the last two years. So if you remember, let's rewind back two years when Tom Brady broke the hearts of all Patriots fans everywhere and decided to go sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he won a Super Bowl within that same year and ironically played in their home stadium for their Super Bowl, followed by the Rams. Now, the Super Bowl is not hosted in Denver this year. But this feels like a very similar trend. A team that has a lot of talent. It's like the criteria. and I wish I could post like a board like they do on Fox, of like Grayson's criteria for this trend, and I'll put in like quotes or something. but you have to have a team that's super talented but doesn't know how to necessarily win. They're like the, they're that part of that conversation where they're one step away from the elite quarterback. And three, You need an innovative but experienced coach. And while the Broncos don't necessarily have an experienced coach, they've got a guy that worked with Aaron Rodgers for the last couple of years. So I think that fits the certain criteria. Is Russell Wilson an elite quarterback? I absolutely think so. So this is a Denver team that has been a part of this conversation for a long time. Man, if they could just get a quarterback, they would be so, so good. And for years since Peyton Manning, they have been just trying to discover that next quarterback, whether it's Paxton Lynch, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, guys like that, that necessarily haven't worked out. Maybe Joe Flacco was the answer. The Broncos have been a super talented team. They've always had really just great guys. Cortland Sutton, Von Miller, Ch- Bradley Chubb. They've had really talented guys. Justin Simmons comes to mind. Jerry Judy, Melvin Gordon, just overall super talented guys. Noah Fant, who's no longer on the team. But a lot of these guys come to mind of t- players that could be contributing on a Super Bowl roster. And you go, man, if they could put it all together, they'd totally be for it. And I think John Elway sensed that eventually the fans were going to, and the internal, like the building was going to go, hey, you need to get this together. And so they went all for it. And they got Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks, who is one play call away from potentially two Super Bowls, if you really think about it. So, Wow. This is what changes franchises. This is what changes teams. This feels like Peyton Manning to the Broncos all over again. Russell Wilson's no Peyton Manning, but it's bringing over that elite quarterback to an elite roster. And I really, really love it. I think what Russell Wilson brings to Denver is a winning attitude. I think he brings focus. There's no distractions. It's like Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady coming to a new team. Do I think Denver necessarily wins Super Bowl this year? I don't think so because there's a lot of things like, and this is why Denver isn't my first place team. There's going to be a significant learning curve. It's going to be a new offense. It's going to be a new coach. If this was an experienced coach with the Denver Broncos, I think it might be a little different. There's that balance that they have to kind of find and work together with. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult because it's a new quarterback. Denver's finally going to have an interchangeable. They won't be able to have to go, hey, Drew Locke, come in now. We have Teddy Bridgewater who's got a concussion. Or, hey, Drew Locke's throwing three picks. We need this guy to come in. Or Josh Johnson or who was that guy? There was a guy that played wide receiver that played quarterback, Kendall Hilton. Kendall Hinton. Kelton played quarterback for him, and he was a wide receiver who played scout quarterback and threw the ball like two times that game. It was crazy. But what Russell Wilson brings to Denver is experience, championship experience, so invaluable. I think for Denver, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle to start early on, even though they have one of the easiest starts in the league and in this division, it makes it only 10 times tougher. Because you don't have to play Carolina every you don't get to play Carolina twice a year and you don't have to play Atlanta twice a year. Sorry to those fans, but it makes life a lot easier to adjust to a new city and a new offense when you get to play Carolina and Atlanta twice a year, or in the Rams case, beat up on a beat up Seattle team without Russell Wilson with Matthew Stafford. Cause the Rams went through growing pains, the Bucs went through growing pains. This is kind of the standard that we've set here. If you get a new elite quarterback coming to your franchise, this is what we compare it to. I don't think that the Broncos necessarily will win the division, but they're certainly a team that's capable of making a giant Super Bowl run if they put it all together. I do think, and it's obviously now my first place team is the Kansas City Chiefs. I do think that they've been there, done that attitude is going to carry them over. We're talking about Kansas City in a second and why I think they're so dangerous this year, because I think a lot of their mistakes, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, I'm getting crazy. But what has Denver done? They're a solid roster. Russell Wilson gets a finally... Not finally, because he had so many great receivers in Seattle, but he's transferring over to a new set of receivers. Jerry Judy, insanely talented. Cortland Sutton, insanely talented. They got a new tight end from UCLA. My boy, J.E.M. Live, made a video on it if you want to check that out. And they will no longer have to have this, okay, Denver defense, your guys are going to have to really make some plays today because our offense really isn't getting it done. I remember games like Pittsburgh where Ben Roethlisberger was struggling, but it was like six to three and Denver's defense was playing out of their minds, but Drew Locke couldn't get it done, and they lost the game. They're going to be able to win those games now, where their defense doesn't have to shoulder 100% of the burden. It can be more of a balanced effect. It's always what we said about Denver, and it sets that Super Bowl standard. I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to put it all together immediately, and they have a tough schedule. They're going to be playing teams with a lot of experience. They're going to be playing teams like the Rams, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Ravens. There's a lot of great teams out there, and especially in a loaded AFC. If Denver can get over that hump with Russell Wilson, there's no telling what this team can do. There's a lot of talent, and there's a lot of potential. I think they play second just because of that quarterback transition. I think that Russell Wilson's a better quarterback there than Derek Carr, and I think the roster is slightly better than the Raiders, despite what we've talked about with, with the Raiders. I think the Raiders might end up being my longest video just because I feel the most passionate about them, but I do think the Broncos, it's very easy. It's a great take. Solid roster. They finally got their quarterback. Let's see what they can do with it. Can they take down my number one team? And I hope you guys don't think it's a cop out because the Chiefs are one of the best teams in football. They had the quietest offseason, but they might have had one of the best. My number one team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's do it. And for our number one spot, the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, what a team. And I think I was one of the – and I know not many people are going to be able to notice it or in the national media go, man, that Grayson guy was really tough on Kansas City. But I truly believe I was one of the most tough guys on Kansas City last year. I did not think they were a Super Bowl team. I thought they were very dangerous in the way they played. And I thought my Mahomes was lazy with the football. And it eventually caught up with them in the AFC championship game. There was a lot of running around. There was a lot of backyard football that just didn't cut it with a Cincinnati team that knew what they were doing and had the calm, cool, collected vibe of a Joe Burrow. They didn't get down the Super Bowl, but they were able to take down Kansas City, who's consistently always there. And for me, it was very easy to put them at number one for these reasons. And I know you're going to go, wait, they lost Tyree Hill. But I think while it robs them of what made them special, they almost reinvent themselves in a way. They got taller. They got lengthier. Signing guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, they got upgraded on the offensive line in Orlando Brown, signed an underrated safety in Justin Reed, and got an another underrated running back with Ronald Jones. And in the draft, they got a guy like Sky Moore, George Loftus from Purdue, who's going to significantly upgrade the pass rush, and not coming from a Clemson guy, but one of the most underrated free agent signings, if it works out, in Justin Ross. This is a team that... They dropped a little speed, but they add a veteran presence in length, and it allows Mahomes to be kind of what he was last year, a little more loose with the football, 50-50 balls. He can start to trust his receivers a tad more. Travis Kelsey is still there, so you have that consistency. Travis Kelsey has got one of the best first moves in football where he catches the football, and boom, he's gone. He cuts to the left or right. He just knows where the defenders are. He's watched so much film. It's like a been there, done that type of guy. For me, it was always, can Kansas City clean up those issues? And last year, they just it caught up to them, that lazy type of football, a completely scoreless first quarter against a weak Pittsburgh team, completely blowing it in the HFC Championship against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think Kansas City had a lot of work cut out for them in the division that's getting better and better. But I still think, and it's the cliche saying, in order to beat the man, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I think they did a lot of good things this offseason, like we've talked about, those free agent signings, a lot of them to kind of reinvent themselves, do different things. They'll have Patrick Mahomes, they'll have Andy Reid. And I think if they can clean up those issues, it is a done deal for this division because they're going to be able to start strong. This is one of those teams that, even though they have a lot of new pieces with Mahomes and Reid, you have your center, you have your center pieces. You're going to be able to start right like that. You're going to be able to say, hey, this is how we win in this league. Talk to a guy like Juju and NVS. This is how we do it in Kansas City. Get those reps in training camp. And let's roll. I think the offensive line, they had that first year where they kind of had to figure it out. There's a lot of new pieces. They're able to kind of clean up that sloppy play. I like where they're headed. I think they're going to have a couple challenges here and there with rosters like the Rams. I think Denver is going to give them some trouble, especially on the road. This is no longer going to be Kansas City just plowing through this division. I think it's going to be a lot of work cut out for them. I can see them going 11-6 and six or 12-5, and five, but I think they have what it takes. They've been through that loss. They've been through that pain. They know what it feels like. I think Mahomes is getting nightmares from that Cincinnati loss, a team that really had no business being there. It was a Cinderella run in a way. And Kansas City almost could be haunted by that. And I think they're going to be able to attack the run game in a specific way. I think they're going to be able to get the most out of Juju Smith-Suster, the most out of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They're going to be able to do a lot of great things. They still have guys like DeMarcus Robinson there too, who – is a solid receiver, McCall Hardman. They still have a little bit of that speed. I think they dropped a lot of it with Tyreek Hill, but they can still do a lot of those same things with this new roster. I think Kansas City, they made the least noise, but they got significantly better. They're going to have that experience, the pain, like we talked about, Mahomes, Andy Reid, new guys, they can get the most out of them. I was hard on the Chiefs, and I'm going to continue to be because I hold them to a certain standard, but I think this is a team that... They're going to put last year behind them. They're going to be able to rebound. And we saw a lot of good with Kansas City last year. And maybe their defense takes a step back a little bit, but they still have got playmakers, Justin Reed, Frank Clark. They have Sorensen, who isn't the best, but he still makes a couple of great plays here and there. They're going to have guys. They still have Bershon Breeland, who makes plays. It's going to be great. I have a lot of faith in this team. Maybe I'm putting my hand out there to get just chopped off completely, but I have faith that Kansas City is going to be that first place team in this loaded AFC West division that's made absolute splashes. It's so exciting. I can't wait. All right, guys, that wraps up episode 87 and my full AFC West breakdown. We're going to do more divisional breakdowns like this spread out over the summer. Guys, this is the most fun I've had on the podcast in a long time. If you stuck through it this way, comment down below what division you want to see next. We could potentially do a vote or a poll on it. I think I want to do a mailbag podcast pretty soon. Super excited about it, guys. Thank you so much for the support. Continue to subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about us. It's unbelievable. I can't be thank more thankful. Yes, I can. I, uh, it's just so awesome. You guys are great. Thank you for listening to my full AFC West breakdown. This was super fun to make, and I enjoyed the research process of it. Stay tuned for more summer stuff. We're going to have interviews. We're going to have collaborations. Cannot wait. Guys, thank you so much. Have a great Memorial weekend. Take care. Stay safe. And just enjoy. I'll see you in the next one.